Good morning again. God's word that we're going to look at this morning is uh, found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 30 through uh, chapter 5, verse 2. Um, if you uh, wish to do so, there is a, a set of sermon notes that there, there are a set of sermon notes that you can follow along with, and they are actually printed on a golden insert this, this week. Um, and I invite you to do, do so throughout the sermon this morning. I'd just like to begin with a prayer. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Uh, dear friends in Christ, um, it was a couple weeks ago that uh, my wife and I took our, our family to the Science Museum in St. Paul. Uh, we wanted to get there um, uh, before Christmas break ended, but uh, more so because we wanted to see the Mayan exhibit that was on display there before um, that left uh, St. Paul uh, in the Twin Cities area. And I don't know if any of you had a chance to see that, but uh, we, we went to it and, and it, was, it was fascinating. You know, it always is to, to go and just see the remnants of a, an ancient civilization, um, a, a lost civilization largely. Um, fascinating to just see all the different aspects that they've been able to unearth uh, from the large obelisks uh, to the little potsherds. And, uh, you know, I think it was also fascinating, and I thought they did a really good job of just having little video clips where the archaeologists and other experts would just talk about some of the significance of these particular uh, finds and, and kind of help you make some connections where for the layperson it's maybe a little harder to do that as you go through and you're kind of like, well, I guess that's kind of interesting. I, I guess what I, I really remember was that my wife kind of said to me, wouldn't it be kind of amazing to be an archaeologist and to, uh, you know, be on one of those digs and suddenly find something and, 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 and unearth, like, part of one of these lost civilizations. I don't know. I, I kind of shrugged my shoulders and I thought to myself, hmm, all that hot weather in the jungle down in Central America and, and, and you know, there's got to be a lot of days, weeks, months of digging before maybe, maybe you find just one little, one little potsherd or maybe one piece of a bone that then you got to figure out what it is. I don't know, listening to the guy talk about some of the, the aspects of the language, and it was, it was lost on me. I, I guess I kind of shrugged my shoulders and thought, ah, I don't know. You know, wherever you're at, and you might be on my wife's side, or you might be on my side, or you might be somewhere in the middle, I, I, I guess as I, I prepared this message for today, one of the things I couldn't help but think, though, is that whether or not that's your attitude about archaeology, there is a, a little bit of an archaeologist in every one of us, isn't there? Isn't there a part of each one of us that loves to go back to the past and start digging, and reliving it, maybe dwelling on it, and it doesn't matter how far you get away from it, you just keep going back to it. I mean, I, I think maybe you can relate to that. Because in a sense, that's really what, what Paul is talking to us about today as he talks about bitterness and he talks about anger. It's, 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 it's digging up that past. It's not being able to get past it. It's, it's looking at that moment, however long ago it was, and saying that was the day that my life was ruined or, or whatever it was. Maybe, maybe it was that's the day that my hope was destroyed. And maybe for some things it's saying my life has been something like a funeral ever since. You know, whatever it is, Paul wants to talk to us about this, this experience, this attitude of bitterness. You know, because we all have to wrestle with it, because we've all been wronged in some way, or we've thought we've been wronged. And, and I think it's, it's important for us to do this, because, you know, if, if you look at Paul's letter to the Ephesians, this is a congregation that really didn't have a whole lot that was wrong in it. I, 
I mean, it was a congregation that had everything going for it. And yet, I think one of the things that Paul saw was he looked at his own heart and he thought, you know, I wrestle with this. He looked at every one of those Ephesian Christians, and no matter where they were at in their spiritual life, he knew that they're going to wrestle with it. And, and probably he even thought of the words of Jesus himself as Jesus put together a prayer that should be kind of an outline for our prayer life, for our spiritual life. Right at the center of it is that awareness of God's forgiveness for us, but then also, he says, as we forgive those who, uh, who have sinned against us. Today, Paul wants to talk to us about the danger of bitterness, but also the, the power of God's forgiveness in our life. Let's, let's take a look at those words that um, uh, God the Holy Spirit empowered and inspired uh, Paul to write for those Christians and for us as well. In chapter um, 4, verse 30, those words start off this way. Paul says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He goes on to say, Get rid of all bitterness, Rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. As we um, begin to think about this, I think the first thing we have to do is just to, to, to first of all, put out there, what is bitterness? You know, bitterness is when somebody has wronged you or offended you or hurt you, and in, in some way, way, shape, or form, that, that wrong stays with you. You start to harbor a deep resentment in your heart, and you just can't let go of it. You know, but that, 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 bitterness, that bitterness can also be about something you, you, you thought somebody did or thought somebody said to you, right? It's, and you start to dwell on that perceived wrong, too, right? I mean, I think that especially happens in, in family relationships or relationships where you're around the same people quite a bit because there's those patterns of behavior that have kind of developed and those numerous interactions. And so, uh, of course, after time, we start to just assume that this, this is, of course, what they meant. I mean, because you've said that however many times before or you've said it in that tone and this is what you meant before. So, of course, that's what you mean now. And, and we just can't let go of that perceived wrong, whether or not they actually meant it that way or meant to harm us or hurt us. Bible also speaks about something else that I think is important to remember, too. In the book of James and in the book of Hebrews, it also talks about a, a bitterness that comes because of envy, bitter envy. That's where we look at our lives and we maybe compare our lives to other people and we, we say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not smart or I'm not beautiful like them or talented like them. We become bitter over that. Or maybe it's I am smart and I am beautiful, but I'm not, I'm not successful like them. I don't have the life that they have. We start to hold on to that, and that's where our bitterness can really, whether we know it or not, start to be directed toward God, because he's the one that made us, right? And given, he's given us the unique things that we have in our life, whether they're weaknesses or they're strengths. He's blessed us the way that he has. Whatever it is, one thing that we have to realize about bitterness is that bitterness is, is something that leads us to really start to view, view other people and view God one-dimensionally. Right? Because, you know, if you think about it, the people that we're usually bitter toward, they are many different things throughout their lives. They're, they do many different things in their everyday lives. And, and yet bitterness tends to make us focus in on that, that one thing or that one way that they've dealt with us. You know, so-and-so, they're that person that did that to me. And that's all that we can think of when we think about them or interact with them or see them. You know, 
whatever it is that causes us to be bitterness. Paul says it's dangerous. He says that we have to be aware of it because, because bitterness isn't something that just stays as sort of a, a negative little attitude hidden, uh, hidden in the deep recesses of our hearts. No, bitterness is something that, that grows and it spreads and it mutates like a cancer. Or, or you could say it also acts like a spark that then is going to create all sorts of fires in our hearts and in our lives. You know, he, he talks about that as he goes on because he doesn't just mention bitterness all by itself. He goes on to mention rage. You know, th- that's where, where bitterness, you know, the, the, it causes our tempers to flare and, and you know, we, we kind of unleash in a, a verbal in-your-face kind of tirade. You know, you dirty, rotten, whatever it is, whatever words you would use. Maybe it involves some type of physical acts as well. But I think we want to see here what Paul says, though, is that, you know, nobody rages forever. Eventually that anger subsides, or that, that type of rage, I should say, sides, subsides, and the, the boiling kind of stops. But the bitterness doesn't go away, does it? That bitterness is a spark that kind of, it, it, it sparks a fire. And that's the word for anger there. It's a special word. It's a word that has to do with sort of a, a, a sustained rehearsing and remembering of that act that someone did against you. You keep thinking about it. You keep dwelling on it. Maybe you're not acting on it, but it's there. And every day or every week, you kind of keep adding logs to that fire. And as you do, you think of ways that, man, you, you, you wish you would have said something differently if you were in that moment again, or, or, or things that you would do to them, and, and maybe eventually you, you start to speak out against them. And that's where Paul talks about slander, brawling. You know, it's especially dangerous in, in, I think, our culture and in our life today, because, I mean, it's so easy to pick up a phone and start telling someone else, you'd never believe what they did to me, or to post it on on Twitter or Facebook, and then it's out there. And then he also talks about, though, every form of malice. That's sort of a a, a junk drawer kind of phrase that just encompasses everything that our sick minds can think of. It's the whole kitchen sink here, and this this is where people start to get hurt. This is where people go to jail. This is where restraining orders come in. Paul says today, beware of bitterness because bitterness doesn't just stay bitterness. It grows and spreads. You know, I I think one thing to especially be aware of is the way that bitterness can start to affect our relationships. One one, uh, powerful illustration that I've always heard that really has stuck with me is one by a, a, a... uh, a Christian, I think she was a missionary named Amy Carmichael, but she, she talks about um, our, our lives as human beings and as, as Christian human beings as, as being sort of like um, we're carrying around a, a glass or a cup, I guess. You're probably a little bigger than this because we're always full of emotions. But, but, you know, imagine this glass being full to the brim with clean water. You know, if I go out into the world and I carry this this cup around with me. Eventually, you know, I'll bump into something or someone will bump into me. It's going to happen. But what's going to spill out? There's clean water in it. It doesn't take a genius. It's going to be clean water, right? But on the other hand, if I carry around all sorts of negative emotions, if I carry around all sorts of, I mean, well, let's just say there was like some sort of nuclear sludge or whatever it is in here, and and somebody bumps into me, what's going to spill out is that nasty water, that nasty stuff. If I carry around all sorts of negative emotions, unresolved bitterness, unresolved anger, it 
it's bound to happen that somebody is going to bump into me and it's bound to happen that what's going to spill out of me is, is all sorts of negative emotions. Even if it's not toward those people who just did something that caused them to bump into us, it's going to come out on them, it's going to come out on us. As Andy Stanley says, hurt people hurt people. Hurt people, people who dwell on those hurts, who carry those hurts around, around whatever it is. Maybe it's just still directed at God because of that, that envy, because of that jealousy, whatever it is. It tends to spill out, not just and be directed toward God, it tends to spill on, out on those people in our lives. And the more that we leave it unresolved, the more that it's going to hurt our relationships as well. I mean, why do, you, why do you think it is that just verses before this, Paul has a great deal to say about uh, about the words that we use, the destructive speech and the, the damage that can do to our relationships. But he doesn't just stop there. Then he goes and talks about bitterness. It's because so often bitterness is at the root of the damage that we do with those words and the way that we talk to, to other people. You know, it, it's so often that th- those people and the wrongs that they've done to us, usually pretty minor, they aren't causing bitterness, usually more often than not, they're exposing what's already there. They're just kind of maybe pushing us to show it. Beware of bitterness because of what it can do to your relationships. I think, though, we would be wrong to simply simply stop there, though, too, and say, well, you know, just beware of bitterness um, because of the relationships and what it can lead to, but also Beware of bitterness because of what it can do to you. And I don't just mean because it could lead you to say something that ends up getting you pummeled or arrested. I'm not saying that just because, you know, finally bitterness is, is just another form of stress that we can add to our lives and can have uh, health impacts on our lives. Today, Paul says a little bit more than that. Paul says beware of bitterness because it can hurt you spiritually. I want you to think about the connection between that verse 30 and verse 31. Paul says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then he goes on to say, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, on and on. See, there's this amazing truth that's in Scripture that when God brought you to faith at your baptism and he planted that faith in Jesus in your hearts, God also caused the Holy Spirit to dwell in your hearts. And, and, and that Holy Spirit dwelling in your hearts and growing your faith in Jesus through the word and through the sacrament, that's sort of like a special testimony of, of God to you, a seal on you that you belong to him and that he's got awesome things in store for you on the last day when he frees all of us finally and fully from all of the consequences of sin in our lives, from the pain and the hurt and all the scars that are there. That's, that's God's special seal to you. But he says that bitterness can have an impact there. He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. See, that, that bitterness, that bitterness that's in our heart, what happens is it starts to burn through the ground of our hearts. And, and if you don't do something, just like any fire, if it's got fuel, it's going to keep burning. And it's going to keep consuming and taking up more and more ground. And I mean, it makes sense. I mean, because think about it. Think about what the Holy Spirit is all about. The Spirit is about creating in us that faith that's in Jesus, that he has forgiven us fully and freely of all of our sins. But bitterness, on the other hand, is that attitude that leads me to say, 
but I'm not showing that to that person. I'm going to hold that against them and hold that against them and I will, maybe it's just with my mind, punish them and punish them or maybe I'm going to act out on it with my mouth or with my fist, whatever it is. But those two just don't go together. That attitude of bitterness acts like a, a poison that starts to kill off that faith. Oh, and that grieves the Holy Spirit. That saddens him because he's seeing death start to set in slowly and it's not an immediate thing. By no means do I want to give you that impression. But, but more and more as we leave it there, more and more as we act out on it, more and more as we throw logs in the fire, it kills off that faith until finally Paul, he minces no words, he says, it can kill your faith. Beware of bitterness because of what it can do to you spiritually. So what are we going to do with this? I mean, how are we going to take care of this? Because obviously I don't want that and you don't want that. Well, Paul says, get rid of it. Now, I think one of the things that we want to, um, to think about here, as he says, get rid of all bitterness and anger, is that we, we have to be clear that it, this isn't just managing it. You know, this isn't just, you know, going in and, you know, uh, exercising to get rid of, you know, that, that stress of the bitterness or using a stress ball. I, I read somewhere about uh, something called destructive therapy where some therapists in, in Spain had, had people come in and they could pay to pick whatever, whatever tool they wanted and they could go out in a, a junkyard and just start wailing away on, on cars and all sorts of things. I mean, that might exhaust you, but it doesn't take care of the bitterness in your heart. You know, it might help to... Um, might help to remind yourself that the more you, you um, hold on to that bitterness and rehearse that wrong, the more you're letting that person imprison you because of what they've done to you. And, and, and don't get me wrong, that's a valuable tool to think through. But it still, Paul says, doesn't get rid of the root. You know, it's kind of like uh, every now and then in the spring, my wife, she likes to have a little square foot garden, and, and so she'll remind me that I should go out and I should take care of the weeds because they always seem to grow up before everything else does. And, and um, I, you know, as I'm out there and I'm on the lawn for the first couple times and I, I get the weed eater out, I always look over at that and I think, boy, you know, that'd be a real easy, quick way to get rid of all those weeds, and they're gone. And for a week, she kind of knows that they're gone, but then they always come back, don't they? If we just focus on the, the things that we do or the things that we say, or, or we just try to manage our anger without getting at the root, we're missing Paul's point. Because today, Paul says, get rid of it. It's the word for rooting it out, going right to the roots, right to the cause, and pulling it out, every bit of it, meticulously and carefully. And we do that by crushing our bitter hearts with the law. It means that, yes, we think about all those times that we have, um, we have acted out uh, of that bitterness and maybe we've hurt people or we've said words that we just can't take back and now they're out there. It means saying, those are wrong. Those are sinful. It means thinking about all those times that we have hurt our spouse or, or our children or, um, or people in our workplace or in our church because, you know, maybe it was bitterness toward them or maybe it was just that unresolved bitterness toward someone else. It's caused us to act out in that and speak out in that. But don't just repent of that. It's also crushing the source, the bitterness itself, and saying, this is sin. This is damnable in your sight, God. To crush that heart. But then, Paul says, to take that bitter heart, that so often broken heart to God. 
You know, notice how Paul says, don't just get rid of it and, well, be nice. I mean, he does say be kind, be compassionate. But he says, if you really want to deal with the bitterness that's so often in your hearts, if you really want to take care of it, he says, go to God. Notice those phrases, just as. See, you know, if you think about if you think about the world and the universe, if there's anybody that has uh, absolutely, purely ju- just right to be bitter and angry, it's God. And he created this world in perfection. He looked at it and it was very good, but starting with Adam and Eve and continuing on from every generation after that, including you and me, you know, we've, we've messed this world up. We've messed our lives up. We've messed ourselves up because of the sinful natures we have and the way that we've acted out on them. And God has every right, every right to hold that anger and and bitterness against us. He has every right to put us into some sort of eternal brawling match with him. He has every right to do some of those things that maybe we wish we could do to those people who've wronged us. You know, to, to replay for us all of the wrong things that we've done. And you know that you wouldn't like that, to just sit down and watch that. To have your family watch that. Oh, man. God has every right to do that, but that's not what he does. Notice he says, just as God in Christ forgave you. As God surveys a world full of sinful people and he zeroes in on a sinner named you, he says, I love you and my heart is full of kindness and compassion toward you. I love you and I give you worth purely because of my love for you. You you can't earn it. It's not because of what you do for me or how sorry you are. I love you simply because of my love for you. Doesn't even make sense, but that his love for us. I love you even though you've let your anger get the best of you too many times. I love you even though you've held on to that grudge for the past 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 2 years, whatever. You are precious in my sight. You are my child. Notice, notice he says in uh, chapter 5 verse 2 as you go on here, he says, as dearly loved children, and then he goes on to say just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for, up for us. You know, we so often think of forgiveness as an act of weakness, something that's going to cause us to be run over. And Jesus, Jesus doesn't look at forgiveness that way. He looks at us and he says, this forgiveness is my ultimate act of love for you. Because you're worth every one of those, those pained breaths that I took on the cross. You're worth every lash that I took on my back. You're worth every nail that I took in my hands, every moment of hell that I suffered because of my sacrifice for you and what that cost me. He said, I prayed for those people that were pounding nails into my hands. I said, Father, forgive them. I prayed for you there, and I most definitely paid for you there as well. You're worth every bit of that pain. You know, just think about that. Jesus forgives you of all those things, even those things that you have a hard time forgiving yourself for. I spent time talking about that because that's the only way that we can truly start to let go of that bitterness. Because it's only as we look at that and we consider that that God starts to transplant Jesus' heart into us and that we find that freedom from that slavery to bitterness and we start to get that iron-tight grip on those grudges loosened a little bit. It's when we never forget what God has done for us. You know, that's really the key. You know, you've heard it before and it's been said before, forgive and forget. It's just that... I'm not so sure that that's as helpful as it should be. Because there's some scars that just don't go away. There's some memories that, that 
we just can't wipe out as human beings, let's face it. And that's not really what God's forgiveness either is either, is it? You know, it's not like there's a list of things that God used to know, is there? It's not like God had some stroke up in heaven and now he doesn't remember that thing that I did. You know, God's forgiveness is that he lets go of his anger and his desire for vengeance against us because he's seen what Jesus has done in our place. So as we think about our bitterness, the key to it is forgiving and never forgetting what Jesus has done for us. It's not saying, well, it's no big deal. It's not saying, well, you know, my, my mom said I have to do it. Forgiveness is looking at the cross, seeing what God did, has done for us, and then praying that God would transform us and let go of that, that bitterness. And it's not going to be perfect in our lives because we're not perfect, right? We still have those sinful natures that love to be bitter. But it's each time going back to that cross because that's where that's where we find freedom from that bitterness. That's where we find forgiveness from our bitterness and our, our unforgiveness. And that's where when there are going to be times that we have to sort out consequences of actions and we have to rebuild trust, it's only there that we can first start and then sort out those consequences and deal with the aftermath in love. You know, I started by, by talking about how we just love to dig up the past as archaeologists. Uh, you know, we love to just relive, and relive the past and, and dwell on it. You know, as we think about that final thought, forgive and never forget. You know, when we start to find ourselves digging, I'd say keep that shovel. But go to the cross instead. And dig, and dig deeply there. And bury that bitter heart there. Go to the empty tomb where Jesus won that victory over all our sin there. And the power of sin too. And bury that bitter heart there. Go to the baptismal font where you've been clothed with Christ's righteousness and bury that heart there. And when you do, God says, like a seed, what's going to grow from those roots will be new life, a life full of kindness and compassion and forgiving love like Jesus. Forgive and never forget. Amen. This time... We'll bow our heads, bow our heads and, and we'll pray. And uh, after that, we'll pray the, uh, the prayer that our, our, our Savior taught us to pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you. And uh, we ask that you would lead us to just cherish the love that you have given us and adopting us into your family. We're not there by nature, certainly. And we're not there, certainly, because of our sins. And yet you've adopted us into that family. Lead us to, to just um, revel in that relationship we have with you. Lead us to live out of that relationship with you. Um, cure our often bitter hearts. You know, as you, you were able to bring life from death and Lazarus and so many other people, assure us, assure us that you are able to do that in our hearts, no matter what the wrongs have been, that oh, it's so hard for us to let go. That's not going to be easy, and it's going to be an ongoing process, and so just lead us back to the cross. Lead us back to the forgiveness that you have given to us because, oh, what you've forgiven us is infinitely greater than what, whatever it is that we need to forgive others of. Um, and then out of that love, may that love be something that just leaves a mark on our relationships and, uh, and really says something to the world around us about who you've made us to be that, that they would yearn, yearn to find out more about it and that we can, we can tell them. This wasn't easy. This isn't, this isn't something that we've got solved, but this is something that you've enabled us to do. 
Lead us to be kind and compassionate to all those in our lives, and we pray for those that are hurting and broken in so many different ways. Just give them the help that they need and use us where we're able to, to help them with our words and with our actions. And uh, today we especially ask that you'd just bring your blessing on this congregation and this group and gathering of, 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 of believers here. May we go into the world uh, to serve you there. We pray the prayer that your son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.